I'll be reading from Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 to 19, and then concluding with Matthew 25, verses 34 through 36, 36, ending with the last half of verse 40. And now, Israel, what does the Lord ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. Circumcise your hearts, therefore. Do not be stiff-necked any longer, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. morning, Midway. Remember Pastor Matthew this morning out with some children on the trail? Pray you'll have a good and safe and enjoyable time. You've heard the word of the Lord in the two texts that Doris read. Now I want you to hear the word from two of the Lord's daughters. The setting will be a back porch on a sunny day in north central Illinois, you'll see by video. What you will be seeing is the short trailer of a new documentary with the characters playing themselves. This is very low budget, recreating a scene from their life. You'll see quickly that one person is native to the town and had felt few constraints or limitations in the many decades of her life. The other is a native elsewhere and is figuring figuring out as an adolescent how to make her way in a new land. How their relationship developed, what they are learning from each other is at the heart of our story today. So Nick, play that clip. You know, there are people in Hopedale that probably don't like us because of who we are. And I said, you mean coming across the border? And she said, yes. And I said, well, Lucia, I need to tell you something. 
I was one of those people. And I said, because of who you are and what you've shown me, you've changed my heart and my soul. The Virgin uh, Plot teaser, just the reason yet you're interested in what the rest of the documentary is about. I want us to think back about the big story of the Bible, about how God gave directions to people he loved and who in turn wanted to show their love for him. Deuteronomy, as we heard, the fifth book of the Old Testament, God's addressing the Hebrew people as they figure out this God who led them from, this, from a century of being slaves in Egypt that Pastor Matthew has been preaching about in recent Sundays. God is showing who he is, what he loves, and how they can behave toward one another in ways that will make him happy. God does not want us to be ignorant about God's ways. From Deuteronomy 16 through 19, I'll read again. So cut away the thick calluses from your heart and stop being so willfully hard-headed. God, your God, is the God of all gods. He's the master of all masters, a God immense and powerful and awesome. Doesn't play favorites, takes no bribes, makes sure orphans and widows are treated fairly. Takes loving care of foreigners by seeing that they get food and clothing. You must treat your foreigners by the same loving care. Remember, you were once foreigners in Egypt. Foreigners, that word. People from somewhere else whose home was somewhere else trying to figure out how a new country and a new culture can welcome them. Other terms like this in Scripture are exiles, someone born out, from, someone out of their home put out by somebody more powerful, sojourners and pilgrims, people on their way to a better place, aliens, people born different from us. If these people are looking for a safe place and protection from what they left behind, they are seeking sanctuary. If, in our time, they have presented themselves to U.S. authorities, they are seeking asylum, a legal status granted to those with credible fear of death or persecution should they return home. Our second feature, our second reading featured Jesus in Matthew 25, the first book of the New Testament, where he lays out clear expectations for his followers at the end of his earthly ministry. In this passage, Jesus projects ahead to the end of time, to the great judgment when all nations will be gathered before him in a tremendous throng. He describes two groups. There will be sheep who serve others because they recognize they need without knowing they are being watched and their deeds are being recorded for eternity. And there will be the goats who ignored those in need with no thought of any consequences then or later. What is striking to me is that these two accounts are not, first of all, about foreigners or those needing care, even though these people uh, catch our attention and we usually think about them. The point of each of them is the nature of God and Jesus and what kind of behavior pleases God and Jesus. What is also striking is that when our God and our Lord want to express what is important to them, compassionate care for hospitality, that's hospitality for foreigners is what they mention. How do we go from just knowing this truth in our heads to feeling what God is saying about himself and what he loves and cares for? How do we therefore think 
and feel and act differently than those around us who don't know God's love for the foreigner, the sojourner, or those seeking safety. And don't use these passages to determine their response. As I watched the movie trailer this week, and thinking about what Doris would read today, I better understood our Sunday school text earlier this morning that we studied. It's another passage where God makes about what makes God happy and what blesses God's people. In Isaiah 58, in the message paraphrase, God says, This is the kind of fast that I'm after, to break the change of injustice, get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed, and cancel debts. Now, I'm 70 years old. I remember that verse. What I had remembered are the promises that come after it. Then God says, do this, and when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help, and I'll say, here I am, a full life in the emptiest of places. If you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming the victims, quit gossiping about other people's sins, if you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. Who of us doesn't want to glow in the darkness? The video we watched captured a dramatic interaction between Linda Thomas and Lucia Mendieta. Linda takes a rare step for a pastor's wife uh, from the Midwest. She confesses her prejudice against those of a different color, fleeing their homeland for refuge here, seeking legal asylum for survival and a new life. This scene is powerful because it shares an epiphany. You know an epiphany? Think of Paul on the road to Damascus, a revelation of divine truth that gives earthly understanding. This was a moment when Linda suddenly realized in her soul, in her spirit, that her heart experience had led her to a place that her head said it wasn't possible to go that her heart experience had led her to a place that her head said it wasn't possible to go. She was feeling the impact on Lucia of being dismissed, erased as a person that God created her to be because of prejudice that saw her only as a member of a discounted group. In that instant, Linda realized she had to rethink her convictions, what she had come to believe about sojourners in the United States, she told me when I talked to her on the phone this week that she hadn't questioned the news sources she had listened to for years that portrayed all people entering the United States as a problem, as people coming just to get free stuff at our expense. By the time of this conversation in, in the movie, in their evolving relationship, Linda had gotten to know Lucia as an energetic, faith-filled, determined, and joyful girl despite past troubles and being new where she was there in rural Illinois. She knew, Linda knew how hard her mother had worked and how much they wanted not to be a burden on anyone else. This moment of truth for Linda came crashing in was a result of many other decisions made from heart choices by the Christian sisters and brothers from Hopedale Mennonite Church. Ellen and I attended this church for about 18 months in the early 80s. These people grew up like many of us, with the same Bible school stories, the same uh, vacation Bible school accounts, missionary accounts, and the same reports of Mennonite Central Committee. Young Lucia, a native of Honduras, 
came to Hopedale, Illinois, in the midst of a polar vortex in January 2019. What a welcome. She was there in the sanctuary of the first, on the first Sunday morning when Linda also attended. As the older woman entered, Linda noticed the brown-reflected mother and daughter as different than other folks that she'd seen in Hopedale in the years past. Then she caught Lucia's eye. The girl flashed her a smile. The next thing Linda knew, she was being embraced by an 11-year-old girl she'd never seen before. That morning, after weeks of church shopping, Linda was there with her elderly mother. Linda and her husband had moved back to Hopedale, where Linda was raised to care for her mom. Lucia was present with her mother, Jennifer. They were there because they'd been promised a safe home as they sought asylum. Welcome, a welcoming group within the congregation had formed just a few weeks before. Members were responding to a plea from a Mennonite pastor in San Antonio, Texas. They talked and prayed and finally agreed to accept whoever he would send them. He had many folks who needed a place to come. This group, they had a connection as well. A farming couple from Hopedale had volunteered at the Texas church during several winters. Each spring, they brought back stories and accounts. And they served in the church's hospitality house for people seeking asylum, got to know many stories. This new Hopedale group called itself the Matthew 2540 Project. Last verse that uh, Mom read today from, from Matthew, when you serve the least of these. Members agreed to work together to figure out how to sponsor the mother and child who came to them. This role included navigating the complex immigration service that oversees asylum cases and arranging housing and clothing and schooling for Lucia, work for Jennifer, health care, and a car and a driver's license, and so much more. They also became spiritual sisters and brothers to this mother and daughter. In this role, they have become their receivers of incredible devotion and much thoughtfulness. They have witnessed Jennifer's profound faith and prayerful dependence upon God. As well, they have become fellow sojourners with Jennifer and Lucia as they weather continued losses from their family and their homeland. This mother and daughter are too acquainted with grief and violence, real and threatened, to be unaffected by it. Since their arrival, Lucia has learned that her father, who she knew slightly, and her grandfather, who she was quite fond of, had both been killed by gunshot. When someone asked Jennifer, who is now 34, if she still hears from her friends back home, she said, there are none left. They've all been killed. Hope the old congregation is established, rural, white, and not given to risky things beyond trying to keep their farms going. How did its Matthew 25, 40 members come to be vulnerable enough to say yes in the face of so many uncertainties and unknowns? Mostly because they love God and want to follow Jesus. And because, in general, they had people on board who had said yes in the years previous to other situations. Because those experiences with other cultures, situations of need, and different kinds of people showed them new ways that God shows up, that God is active and alive. And because, especially, they had heard about people seeking asylum from Mark and Jeannie Berkey, the former volunteers. The believers at Hopedale cherished in their hearts the stories of those individuals who were so desperate 
to find safety in the community where they could live and find a new life. And specifically, they had come to trust John Garland, the Baptist-turned-Mennonite preacher in San Antonio, whose church had started offering hospitality to asylum seekers about eight years ago. He recalls this started when a Christian woman in their community went to the San Antonio bus station and saw a woman wearing indigenous clothing sitting in a corner, not looking um, very happy. She learned, finally, that the woman had no idea where she was, had been praying for God to send someone. The indigenous woman, like 80% of asylum seekers from the Americas, was a Christian believer. The San Antonio, San Antonio church recognized the woman's situation that there was many others like her in their city and joined other churches in responding. The church's website explains, we recognize Christianity as a trauma-healing religion. Christians focus on the trauma Jesus suffered for our salvation and the eternal healing he experienced in the resurrection. It follows, then, that our ministry seeks to support a hospitable and healing environment for families from various walks of life, including cultures around the world. At our hospitality house, La Casa de Maria and Marta, we provide a safe and welcoming place to stay. Basic necessities, an intentional community to uplift one another in our journeys. The statement concludes, we must as Christians talk more about trauma and trauma healing because it is the center of our faith and tradition. Christianity is about trauma and the healing of brokenness. On the other side of suffering is unity with God and each other. Interesting connections. My sister Lori was raised in the pews where you're sitting. She married Mark Graber, who was a Hopedale native. He has uh, taken a large part of the legal and financial part of the Matthew 2540 project. He's worked through many issues, such as orientation to U.S. culture, economic reality, and immigration policy with Jennifer. Linda, you saw in a movie clip, has spent most of the time of anybody with Lucia. Mark says the four of them, he and Linda, Jennifer, and Lucia, have cried enough tears to irrigate 40 acres. So it's been a lot of hardship, a lot of questions, a lot of disappointment, and a lot of just figuring out things with God's help together. Today is actually a milestone in this story. Um, at this moment, Hopedale Worship Service, Jennifer and Lucia are receiving special prayer for two upcoming events. They'll leave tomorrow for Goshen, Indiana for two days of preparation for an April 12th asylum hearing in Chicago. That's the big event. Each person in Hopedale today who will be praying for the next 11 days is putting their name on a link of the paper chain as a visible encouragement for the Mendietas, Jennifer and Lucia. Two other congregations around there are make, have been inspired to come alongside the project or are doing the same thing this morning, making prayer chains for these two women. So here's an opportunity. If you pledge to pray, you can put your name on a link and add it to the midway chain, which is hanging back in the bulletin board in the lobby. You'll find it on a bulletin board. We'll let them know that we're praying also for them. The video clip you saw is part of an ongoing documentary project. The crews this morning at Hopedale filming the prayer service, telling how the story is continuing. The producer who's there today had become a Christian during the coverage of this story, which started when she filmed the work at the San Antonio church. 
When she was there, she said, this is the image of Christians that the world needs to see. Christians offering to love, offering love to those who need it. The immigration attorney working with them that they'll see this week is Jess Hunter Bowman, husband of our daughter Jana in South Bend, Indiana. He works for the National Immigrant Justice Center in cases of victims of crime, human trafficking, and domestic abuse. He says that the hearing on May 12th may result in a positive outcome and a path to eventual citizenship, or it may end in one more delay. Just don't know. Until asylum is granted, the threat of deportation back to Honduras exists, despite horrific possibilities that could come. Both Jennifer and Lucia hug their church friends spontaneously every Sunday, every time they meet. At first, these Midwestern Mennonites were kind of taken aback by this, but by now they've come to embrace the custom. My sister says that the whole congregation seems to have become more caring and more affectionate under the influence of these new friends from Latin America. Jennifer designed and sewed hundreds of face masks of different fabrics when COVID was severe, and also made several sizes so children could have a mask that fit well. She's volunteered at a Christian school as a cook until she was able to work and then became involved in a cleaning service. She aspires to return to a role in the pharmaceutical industry, as she used to do in Honduras. In the first days of discerning whether to agree to accept an asylum seeker, as this group at Hopefield talked about this and wondered if they should do this, one member recalls a critical moment. Interest was strong, but then the what-ifs became to surface, and there was kind of a lull in the conversation. He said, at that point, Mark Gabriel blurted out, let's go for it, and they did. Mark said this week, we didn't know what we were doing, but we knew it was the right thing, so we are doing it. We knew it was bigger than us, but that was good. Only God could have brought about what has happened to us and to them. So this is the altar call. Reflect this week on your love for God, mighty God above all gods, what that God means to you in this time. What does following Jesus mean to you for you now? Jesus said Matthew 25, 40, who says, Truly I tell you, just as you had done it to one of the least of these members of my family, you did it to me. There will be instructions in next week's newsletter on how to sign up for your part in the Midway Welcoming Group. This is our effort to know what we can offer if we have the opportunity to host or sponsor or support people seeking asylum in our community, most likely from the wonderful nation of Ukraine. We need to, we need to pray and perhaps provide housing and rides and language support or just whatever needed. That's a big part of it. So there's a sign-up sheet and a, a clipboard in the lobby. So if you're ready to do that today, you can, you can do that. Either way, pray on these things. In your prayer, ask God to move what's important for this time from your head to your heart, and from your heart to move you to act out of love for your Creator and to follow Jesus Christ as Lord.